0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. It's day 370. That's our day 5 of year 2 of our three-year journey through God's Word. And we come to 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in long line against Israel. And when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, All Israel gave a mighty shout, so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A god has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us! Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews, so that they have, as they have been to you, be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled every man to his home there was a very great slaughter, for thirty thousand foot soldiers of Israel fell. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day, with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head, When he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road, watching for his heart troubled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? Then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle I fled from the battle today and he said how did it go my son he brought the news he who brought the news answered and said israel has fled before the philistines and there has also been a great defeat among the people your two sons also hophni and phinehas are dead and the ark of god has been captured as soon as he mentioned the ark of god Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter in law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father in law and her husband was dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. That is First Samuel, chapter 4. This is a, a very, very sad chapter. Um, just a terrible defeat in battle. Um, and... Uh, 30,000 people dead, Hophni and Phinehas dead, and the ark of God captured. This is the beginning of Samuel's public ministry. The opening of this is very interesting, that the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Sometimes we'll see in scripture that the word of the Lord comes to someone or the word of the Lord comes to Israel. But here it's the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And this this lines up with something that was said in chapter 3 about Samuel's word. And that is that uh, in verse 19 of chapter 3, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and none of his words uh, let none of his words fall to the ground. So in chapter 3, verse 19, just a couple of verses before this, we saw that none of the words of Samuel fell to the ground. And yesterday when we were looking at that, I noted that that's the same uh, quality that was said of the word of God, of the promises of God in the book of Joshua. None of them fell, none of them failed, none of them fell to the ground. And so the word of Samuel, Samuel was such a prophet of God That what he speaks is the word of God. So it's the word of Samuel. It's the word of God because he is a faithful prophet. This battle is taking place at Ebenezer. That's where Israel has encamped. Ebenezer is a word that means a stone of help. Now later in 1 Samuel chapter 7, Samuel is going to have Israel set up an Ebenezer as a stone of remembrance, a stone of help to commemorate a great victory that God will give them over the Philistines. But here, this name Ebenezer, perhaps this was the place that Israel rallied to because they saw it as a place where they would get help from the Lord. But they didn't get help from the Lord because the Lord's judgment was against them and they were defeated. So I think in the beginning, they're like trusting in their rallying place. We'll gather at the stone of help. And that's where the Lord will come and help us. And that didn't work. And when that doesn't work, the plot thickens. And they say, oh, we've been defeated. Let's let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh. And, and you know this isn't going to work. You know that this is not going to end well. You can see them sort of desperately trying to figure out some way to get the Lord to be on their side and to defend them. And it is helpful here to note, again, what I've noted before... And that is that pagan religion, such as would have been common in all the surrounding cultures and even in pockets of Israel, pagan religion is essentially uh, transactional. And in that way, it's all about how do you get the gods to do what you want them to do. So you're trying to get the gods to do what you want them to do, to follow your agenda, to bless your uh, priorities, your battle, your kingdom, right? Right. And so what you have to do is offer the right sacrifice, maybe at the right place, maybe at the right time, maybe of the right quantity or quality, say the right words, maybe cut yourselves. You could think of the prophets of Baal on, on, on Mount Carmel, cutting themselves and crying out. And it's all a matter of doing the right thing at the right time, in the right place, and to the right extreme to get the gods to do what you want them to do. Unfortunately, many people take that same view of the one true God, of the Lord. Many professing Christians even think, well, if I fast and pray for so many days, then the Lord is going to have to answer my my, my plea for this thing that I want. Or if I formulate my positive confession of faith and I, and I declare it to be so, and I call the things that are unseen as though they are seen, that word of faith will cause that thing to happen because God will have to fulfill that. If I can claim a promise from scripture, name it and claim it, God will have to do it. Or if I give 10%, if I tithe, uh, some people have even trying, I think, to be well-meaning. They've taught things like, if you tithe, you'll never have any financial struggles ever. So a lot of people have believed that and said, well, I want to be financially healthy and independent, so I'm just going to faithfully tithe. And if I faithfully tithe, then I'm always going to be financially independent. None, none of that, none of that works for what ultimately matters, and that is, we need to align ourselves with God's kingdom and God's priority. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come and my will be done by you, O God, but rather we want to do God's will. And so that is a huge difference. So oftentimes people who profess Christ, who go to church, who you know give a tithe, who participate in ministry, Subtly in the back of their mind, or maybe not so subtly, they're just trying to get God to bless their agenda and to give them what they're looking for. But God's not interested in doing that. Uh, God is not going to do that. And so, and even if God does that in a temporary way, is it really what you ultimately need? No, what we ultimately need is the Lord. We need his kingdom to come. And so Israel is defeated. Why? Well, because they've been unfaithful to the Lord. And they bring Hophni and Phinehas because they're the caretakers of the ark, thinking somehow the ark is going to be some magical talisman that's going to give them victory over the enemy. But Hophni and Phinehas are part of the very reason why they're under judgment. Because they're priests of the Lord and they're totally unfaithful. They're selfish, they're sinful, they're manipulative, they're they're criminal, basically. And bringing them into the camp certainly doesn't help your cause any. Now, the Philistines hear the shout of triumph among the Israelites. And the Israelites are rejoicing because they believe now they've got the ticket. God's going to have to defend us this time. We have the ark. No. The Philistines hear it, though, and they get afraid. And it actually causes the Philistines to become more courageous, more bold, and more determined. And so when they go, it's a very great slaughter and 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel die, and that is just uh, about 4,000 men died on the field of battle before the ark came, and then 30,000 died after the ark came. It's a terrible outcome, and an even more tragic and sad outcome is when the news is brought to Eli. Although we are seeing a change in Eli in his old age, he's given in so many times, he's compromised and allowed his sons to get away with stuff for so long, but at least we we're seeing here that his heart really is for the things of God, even if we might say the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. You know, he's he knows that it's the Ark of the Lord that is, you know, it's God's blessing upon Israel. So he's more upset about the Ark of the Lord being taken than he is about the death of his sons. And you see that in that this idea that Eli really wants uh, to see Israel be faithful to God and be led by God. Uh, And so he falls over and he dies. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. And even his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, gives birth to a child and is in absolute distress. She names the child Ichabod. Ichabod is a a name that means the glory has departed. It's going to come up later in Scripture, in Ezekiel, whenever we get to that. Uh, But it's the idea that that the, the ark's been taken. Why? The ark's been taken because God has abandoned his people. Um, And that's just not a very good place for God's people to be. Um, I wonder if we see life through the right perspective, through the right lenses. I wonder if we understand that having the Lord's blessing on our lives, having our lives align with his kingdom and his will, uh, having his hand before us because we are Belonging to Him, body and soul, in life and in eternity. If that's really what we focus on most importantly, um, it's it's so easy to get distracted by things. It's so easy to look at life from a human perspective, from a selfish perspective, from a worldly perspective, from a cultural perspective. But do we really have this Christ-centered, anchored viewpoint that says the most important thing in my life? is that I have the Lord's blessing upon my life, that I have the Lord's presence in my life, that I have the Lord's uh, promises for my life. And to do that, I need to align my heart, my desires, my life with the word of God. I can't manipulate God into blessing my agenda. I've got to come to him and say, as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need you today and always to be the one who leads us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake the one who is the one who goes before us to prepare the way and who is behind us as our rear guard the one who watches over us and keeps us father make us yours not just in word but in deed not just in uh, what we claim about our identity but what we live in our lives we pray this father in jesus name amen Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel chapter 4. Mike will be back tomorrow for Mark chapter 2. Hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.